Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tougher, even if they don't. Today is March the 4th, 2020. This is episode 2612 of the Survival Podcast, and we've got a good one for you today. Uh, actually, this is a great one for me, too. I feel a little bit selfish in how excited I am for this interview. Uh, we have a gal from our audience named Ariana Marshall, and she's going to talk about income through Amazon print-on-demand publishing. I am in the middle of formatting my edited, completed book on Laws of Life right now, and uh, I plan to use Amazon print-on-demand publishing to publish it. So this is very self-serving, but I think it's going to be a good interview for a lot of y'all. I have taught... For years and years and years, like almost since day one of this show, that one of the number one things that you can do to build self-reliance and independence in your life is to own a business, especially if it's something that involves e-commerce, meaning that you can do it without being in a specific place. And I've said it's a survival tactic. And I, I, I've been really trying not to try to capitalize on, uh, on, on uh, the coronavirus uh, issue. I think there's way too much hysteria. That's why I did a very down-to-earth, realistic view of it yesterday, which didn't say there's nothing to worry about at all, but it also said you can stop freaking the hell out and turn the TV off for five minutes and hyperventilating over this and thinking you're doing something by buying toilet paper uh, and bottles of bleach and, and watching the news 24-7, 365. But on that note, like, think about this. If you have an income from publishing and you need to not leave the house, how much easier is it than the person that's like, man, it seems like I should stay home, but I can't afford to. And and that's the case with many things. And then the, the one of the reasons I'm pushing myself into publishing, because I don't really enjoy writing, I think I'm good at it, but I don't like to do it, is because it pays what you call a royalty income. Once you get that product out there, an evergreen product, Uh, especially in a marketplace like Amazon, it continues to produce for you over and over and over again. And one of the things I'd like you to think about, because I've, I've talked to people that, that have done this, and they have two or three, four books out there. And uh, you say, how'd it go? And they go, well, I quit doing it. And you say, well, why? And you say, well, it didn't make me that much money. You say, well, how much money does it make you? And they'll say, well, like, you know, I make about $200 a month on it, and it's nice to have. But And I'm thinking, do, do you have any idea? how much capital it takes to create a $200 a month ROI in a reasonably safe investment that you can depend on? It, 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 I'm not going to even tell you, but you go ahead and pick your interest rate and figure it out for yourself, and that's what that royalty income's like. It's like having that capital sitting there generating income. It's not exactly the same because you don't have the underlying asset value. In other words, if, you, if, if it was $10,000, and it's more, by the way, but if it was $10,000, you have the underlying $10,000 that you can go into the equity of at any time. So with a royalty income like this, it's not an exact equivalent. And I always try to be clear about that, but it is effectively the same for a person that plans to live on income derived from investment. And it, it's, it's a multiplier. So if you can generate, let's say you don't want to do this full time, but you can generate, let's say, the income that you would gain from interest and dividends in a conservative portfolio of $150,000, let's say. Well, then it adds that to what you've put away in retirement, effectively. 
Again, it's not the same, but it has the same influence on your income. And once you learn to do something, you can do it again. So I, I tell a person that says, well, I'm making $200 a month doing this. Well, go do it again. You'll make four. And then go do that again and make eight. And the more you do, the more power you get. So that's one of the reasons I'm putting out Laws of Life. And I have some other things planned that are not quite the endeavor <laughs> that Laws of Life was. Laws of Life is over 65,000 words. Uh, and while I've published a couple books before, they were not real hardcore, I'm publishing a book myself. Um, I've co-authored a couple, and I've kind of jointly produced one. But I've never you know, come out with a book. To come out with a 65,000-word book in your first book is, is a bit of a gamble, but I think it'll work out. But I'm going to go through this program. And so I'm getting personal coaching from someone that's done it today. And you get to sit in on it. I think that's pretty cool. So before we do that, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Ridge Wallet. Ridge Wallet was one of those products that when they approached me about being a sponsor, I did have a spot coming open. And while I have a waiting list, I don't really use it. I, I don't like honor like the first person to put their hand up. I kind of look at people that want to be sponsors when on the rare event we turn one over and go, who makes the most sense? Well, I haven't turned a sponsor over now in three years. It was about oh two and a half. It was about two and a half years ago that Ridge came to me along with ButcherBox. Those were the last two that we brought in. And it's crazy that it's that long ago now, honestly. But I was thinking about bringing in some new things. And instead of bringing in you know, another prepper supply store or something like that, what, what could we do different? And a guy came to me and said, I, I represent two companies. I said, the Ridge Wallet one seems like maybe, I don't know. He said, let's send you some. So he sent me a Ridge Wallet. I carried it and said, you know what? This is a better way. And that's what this show is about. Make your own way and the others will follow. There's a better way to do this. right? It's in the song. So I, I said, we'll sign you up and see if you like it. And, well, they do and you do, and, and they're a great product. And check them out today, RidgeWallet.com. Uh, next up today, JM Bullion. Um, I have said since the very beginning of this show, which will be 12 years in June, put 5 to 10% of your net wealth in silver and gold. And once you're going to do that, then you have to pick out who you're going to buy it from. The whole point is it's all the same. A silver eagle is a silver eagle a silver eagle. Right? That just is. So you should buy from a company that sells for less than the giant silver houses, but has a track record of over a decade of success in dealing with people like yourself. And you should do that. Absolutely. Well, Jan Bullion checks those boxes. Well, if you can get a discount, you ought to buy from the company to give you a discount because nobody does it silver and gold. JM does, and they are a member of the support brigade, so you can get a discount from JM Bullion. Uh, next up, you should buy from a company, if you could, that does free shipping. Right? Well, JM Bullion has free shipping on all orders. And lastly, wouldn't it be great if you could buy your silver and gold from a company that supports something you like and believe in? Well, JM Bullion has supported us for like seven and a half, eight years now. So my question isn't, you know, why should you buy your, your, your silver and gold from JM Bullion? But why would you buy from anybody else? Check them out today at jmbullion.com. Let's talk about our quote of the day before I bring our special guest on. Um, this is by Horace Walpole. Horace was a, a, a nobleman in uh, 1700s uh, England. I believe he was an earl. Uh, also known as Horatio, I believe. Um, he said something I thought that was really profound and may have been borrowed by one of our founders in Poor Richard's Almanac. Of course, I'm speaking of Benjamin Franklin. Horace once wrote, The whole secret to life is to be interested in one thing profoundly, And in a thousand things, well. The whole secret to life is to be interested in one thing profoundly. 
and a thousand things well. It sounds quite similar to me to be a master of all, a jack of all trades and a master of none. They can do a lot of things and a master of none. And I think I've covered Franklin's quote before and I've always said a master of some. I think is an improvement on Franklin. A jack of all trades and a master of some. And I think that's kind of what Horace is saying. We're splitting the difference here. And, and there's, there's also a, something interesting about these lines of thought. Both Franklin's master of all, tra- uh, jack of all trades and Horace's, uh, interested in one thing profoundly, a thousand well, is that we live in a different time than they did. There are timeless components to their quotes, but you can be a master of some and a jack of all today. You can do a thousand things well today and really be profoundly into one specific thing. And you have access to more information, more knowledge, and more ability to learn than either of these two people who were about um, as well off as you could be at their time. Today, a person in the United States with an Internet connection that lives about at the poverty level has access to more information and opportunity than either Horace Walpole or Benjamin Franklin had, and we need to make the most of it. And one way we can do that is by understanding the ways that we can generate income, specifically royalty-style or annuity-style income, and one of the ways to do that is become an author. And we can do that through Amazon Print-on-Demand Publishing, which I assure you, uh, while both were writers, Horace uh, nor uh, Benjamin had access to such a thing. And I wonder what they could have done if they did. Well, we're going to find out what you can do today with our special guest, Ariana Marshall. And with that, Ariana, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be on this side of the program. You know, during the intro segment, I was saying how that, like, I'm really excited about this one. I was happy when it came through. And it's kind of self-serving of me. I, I'm working on uh, finishing up. It's already written. It's already edited. Like, I'm doing the formatting and stuff and getting a cover design for my book, and I'm going to publish through Amazon print-on-demand services. So it's like <laughs> I get free coaching today. So it's kind of self-serving, but I, I'm excited about that. And I, I've, I've talked to the audience, too, a little bit about how, like, creating that type of a royalty income is akin to having, like, a capital investment paying a dividend or interest. And, and so I think it's going to be fantastic today. Um, I've been teaching entrepreneurship and income development since I started the show almost 12 years ago now. Uh, but before we do that, Ariana, can you tell people, like, well, who the heck is Ariana? Like, you know, just the, the two-minute elevator speech of, you know, just take us back to, like, you're in high school trying to figure out what to do your life, and how do you end up to the point where you're self-publishing books? Sure thing. Um, well, I'm going to flip that around. I'm going to tell you who I am today first and okay. then kind of work backwards just because um, – you know, why the heck is this person? Because you'll see it's a roundabout journey that got me here. Okay. Let me explain why I'm talking about KDB today. So um, I am an author and self-taught graphic designer. Um, I create print-on-demand products, and they're mostly our books. And um, on Amazon, I've had several number one new releases in children's coloring book categories and equestrian titles. And those are really the two areas I focus in. Um, you know, I've listened to your business programming before, and you do really stress the niche down, niche down, niche down. And I think that's so important, and it's not something I did at the beginning. But um, the two areas, like I said, I focus on are equestrian, coloring books, uh, two separate things. And, um, and how I got there is, like I said, really roundabout, because in high school, 
I didn't really know where I was going to go. Um, I did know I was going to college. My Neither of my parents had, had gone. No one in my immediate family had gone yet. And so I was the first one. Um, but up until that point, you know, we were living in Virginia at the time. I was a kid of a State Department um, family. So we had been moving around similar to any military family. You move every couple years. So um, didn't have deep roots where we lived. But had, um, yeah, so anyway, so was sitting there, didn't know what I wanted to do, knew I was going to go to college, went to a local college and and graduated, um, ended up going into the Peace Corps, uh, came back home, worked some jobs in D.C. And then one thing I didn't mention there is if anyone from high school had ever had to describe me. They would have been like, Oh, Ariana, the horse girl, because I was, you know, I loved horseback riding. I, that's what I, you know, I worked my pizza job. So I would have money to spend on that. You know, we weren't a well-to-do family, but it was, you know, my passion. And so, um, that is something I spent my time and limited money on during, you know, my, my youth. And, Let's see. Um, yeah, so I, I I didn't think of that as a career option for me, though. You know, I wasn't particularly talented. I wasn't funded by a trust fund. So it didn't it wasn't a career choice. So, you know, I pursued other things. Um, and like I said, you know, went through Peace Corps, did uh, had a bunch of great adventures, started those jobs in D.C. and realized, wow, you know, I want to try something else and ended up spending a couple years doing hor- uh, working for a trainer um, uh, that was, you know, very high level competed, you know, got long listed for the U S equestrian team, a lot of really fun, awesome, cool horse stuff that, you know, little me at 10 years old, would have just been awestruck that I got to do, you know, um, I had many adventures after that. Um, but currently I am a, stay-at-home mom. Um, and this has been, you know, since leaving the workforce in 2017, um, been this KDP and some other print-on-demand platforms have been, you know, where I've been able to have a creative outlet and and generate income uh, on a part-time basis. So that's kind of the journey. Awesome. Awesome. (laughs) So we've been, we've been kind of flirting with a, with a terminology here of Mm -hmm. print-on-demand. For those that may not know, I mean, it's somewhat self-explanatory, but it's bigger than, than it just it sounds. So what exactly is print-on-demand? Yes. So, um, well, Google, I, I made sure to, to try and break it down, make it as, as straightforward as possible. And Google says it's the process where you create individual copies of a product. Um, they're printed to order and typically using digital technology. And I like to, personally, I like to explain it a little bit more simply like in a real life example. So for example, I can offer a product for sale um, and all I need to do is come up with the, the artwork. So let's, you know, think about a, um, a mug or a book, uh, for example. So the mug, it's a white mug, but let's say I want a horse head on it and say, you know, I'd rather be at the barn. I create that artwork um, on my computer, you know, I can use something as simple as PowerPoint or I can use fancier programs. Um, I just create that artwork and I write up a title 
and a very simple product description, you know, two or three sentences. And then I share the link with my audience that can be um, a newsletter audience. It can be social media, Facebook, um, whatever, or it could be none of those things. And I can just, I'm talking an Amazon framework. I can just upload my artwork and then my product can, is available for sale. There's no upfront inventory cost. There's no payment processing, no shipping, no customer service, no returns processing. Um, none of that stuff that I have to deal with. Um, that's kind of print on demand. Like that mug that I designed with the horse head on it will then be available on different platforms um, or like a book I make that's a line journal where I create the artwork. Again, I created the digital file only. I did not touch a physical product. It becomes available on Amazon or the other print-on-demand platform, and people can buy it. So that but physical product already exists. It's sitting there. It's in inventory through lithographing or whatever. Boom, your design goes onto it. It ships. You're setting a price that's a price plus the underlying item. Um, yeah, so I'm setting my what essentially is going to be my royalty. Okay. Yes. And there's a cost to it. I mean, you know, Amazon takes their cut, right, because of all those different things that they are doing for me. And I'm okay with it. So I was going to say, I, it's okay. <laughs> like, if yeah. you think about what Amazon – but people say it's expensive to, 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 to sell through Amazon – if it was as expensive as people claim as far as real cost, no one would do it, and they wouldn't do over a trillion dollars a year in business. There's a reason that costs, and, and, and what I would tell anybody when they start factoring that, imagine you had to hire someone to do all the crap that Amazon does for you. How much would you pay them? Mm-hmm. You know, well, and, and a, a, a lot of us um, solopreneurs or whatever you want to call us, we do a lot of this ourselves, and there is a cost to our time spent learning this, mm-hmm. making mistakes, um, recovering from those mistakes and, and, and finding the best process, you know, and, you know, we're talking about Amazon today. There are a lot of other platforms. And as you grow your business, um, you would want to be on other platforms just to diversify, but this is a wonderful one to start with because, and we'll talk about it later, but, you know, print on demand is it's like I said, there's no upfront inventory cost. Really, you know, I'm not buying mugs, you know, Amazon isn't charging me for space in their warehouse because they just have all the blanks there. Um, gotcha. So and I probably shouldn't have used mugs as an example because they don't actually do mugs right now, but <laughs> other platforms do. Um, but, um, th- you know, I mostly do books and apparel items with Amazon. <clears throat> So how much can a person make with it, and do they need to be someone with a big presence or a blog or a podcast like I have, or like can the average person expect to earn a a decent income on this if they they learn the system and work it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's all dependent on, you know, the quality of the product, uh, the design really, and, um, and your audience. Those are huge factors, but there are people that come into this with, you know, no audience. Um, people can make a few dollars a month or making thousands or tens of, tens of thousands of dollars each month. Um, and of course, usually fourth quarter is the main money maker. Um, I'm going to give you my scenario. Um, and then you, you can see sort of what's happened for me. So I work part time. 
Um, my summers are mostly off because I have my kids at home. Um, I've also had to take multiple breaks due to family emergencies. And um, between my own lack of natural skill or learned skills um, and these time gaps, it's taken me a few years to ramp up um, to grow my sales. But for example, I just had three titles for a small holiday in February. They earned me a thousand dollars in royalties in those 60 days. Wow. Um, and so, you know, personally, I enjoy doing sort of seasonal things, you know, thing they come around every year, you know, usually I, you know, but I kind of like doing those seasonal things. Um, people have different strategies about what they like or don't like. Um, but so that's one example. Um, other people make a ton more, but I like to point out that, you know, I don't have trained graphic design skills. I'm not an artist. So if you come into this uh, effort with any graphic design skills and engaged audience, like a strong business network or sales market research or some serious software skills, you are ahead of the game. You'll be a year or two ahead of where I was, you know, or, or am just right out of the gate. So as far as needing an audience, you don't, you don't need it. You know, Amazon has its own algorithm. I mean, I'm pretty sure most of your listeners are Amazon shoppers. And, you know, you'll know, you'll, you'll start plugging something into Amazon and it's going to offer you a bunch of things that you didn't even realize were available, you know, for that search term. Um, so you can, as a seller, you can told, you can rely on an Amazon's algorithm if you, know there's a um, buyer, you know, if there's a buyer group for that. But um, let's see, uh, if you have a creative idea or uh, always been wanting to publish a book, you can just do it here. You know, it can be something you want, uh, you know, you've been wanting to publish for a long time. Um, or it can be something that you're really like strategically um, publishing because, you know, there's a gap in the market. Uh, so it doesn't always need to have a, a blog or podcast audience, but that will certainly, you know, multiply your sales if you sure. can share with I an think audience. Any, any, any built-in audience can only help, no matter how you uh, built it in. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think I, I, I made a few notes for one, for later in our conversation about some other tactics to use, because you don't always need to have your own audience. There's other ways to um, be creative about that. Yep, yep, gotcha. So um, you've thrown out uh, a few uh, an acronyms so far. One was MBA, which I don't think is the uh, is the credential that you get for going to college, <laughs> and KDP. Can you talk about what those are? Yes. Um, so um, there's Merch by Amazon MBA and Kindle Direct Publishing KDP. So um, these are the two of the print on demand platforms offered by Amazon. And I'll just touch on um, the merch uh, one very briefly. Um, merch by Amazon is their apparel side. And so there's hoodies, T-shirts, uh, tank tops, uh, a handful of other things that are available for the seller, um, me or someone like me, to upload their designs onto and then make those available to the market. And, um, you know, print on demand, so I don't pay any inventory, same as I described already. Now, for Merch by Amazon, part of why I didn't suggest that as a topic is, first of all, I just don't 
do as well on it. So um, I don't feel like I have as much authority to talk about it. Um, but also an application is required and it takes, you know, it's not that it's arbitrary, but like I got in a couple years ago, but it's much harder now for someone who's not a designer, I think, um, that doesn't have a book of like a portfolio. So I didn't really, you know, know that that was as appropriate for a wide open audience, you know, it's harder to get into. Um, but I highly recommend it to anyone who's an artist or a graphic designer. If you're not on these platforms, go for both of them. (laughs) You know, if you have that skill now, um, Kindle direct publishing is many of us are familiar with Kindle readers. That's the ebook side. Well, they also, Amazon also offers this print on demand side Now, with KDP, there is no application process. You really just log in. Um, I use, and many people just use their regular Amazon account, and you go to kdp.amazon.com, and you sign up to have this account. Um, Now, I I did mention earlier when I was talking about there being other print-on-demand platforms, there's, there's many others that offer a wide variety a much wider variety of um, uh, uh, products and uh, different variations. But part of why I like the Amazon platforms as sort of a first or gateway into this whole world is I like a big one is I like it for tax purposes because they um, pay out royalties and send out 1099s. It just makes it so much easier, you know, I don't have to think about the tax information, you know, like uh, state taxes or any of that sort of thing. I just get my royalties and I know how to deal with a 1099 miscellaneous form, Okay. you know. Um, And so also mentioned before, no dealing with customer issues or returns or questions or or storage costs. Also, they both sell and ship in multiple countries now. With books, I mean, I've sold books in Japan, in Italy, uh, I mean, of course, U.S. and Canada, U.K. It's just, it's kind of cool. It's a fun little, like, burst of energy when I see in my report that I sold something to Japan last month. It just blows my mind. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just cool. Um, And, uh, yeah, so let's see what else with that. Um, Yeah, there's, there's so much information I'm trying to pare down what I'm saying because I forget what's, um, you know, there's so much jammed in my brain about this from two to three years of learning. I don't want to overwhelm a listener and make them think that this isn't something that they could do. Um, there are, it's a completely achievable thing and there's a lot of different types of people that I've interacted with in the, um, Facebook, like our peer communities, that, I mean, there's so many different backgrounds of people that succeed, that succeed at this. Um, so my particular area I mentioned earlier is Kindle direct publishing. Um, but specifically, um, so it's in a different area than what you described when you introduced uh, me coming onto this show, you were talking about your book and this is a book you've written. You, there's a lot of, um, I mean, it's a pretty high word count, right? Yep. Yeah. So what I'm talking about, there is no, um, there's usually not very much, uh, verbal content. There's not a lot of words. It's not a big word count. Um, it's typically in the no or low content, or I sometimes call them medium content books. 
Okay. So. Go ahead. Oh, okay. So, so um, I probably want to define for everyone what is a no content or low content book, because that's one of the terms that comes up a lot. And I think it's a stumbling block for everyone when they, they hear about people that are doing great in e-publishing or Kindle, you know, sales, you know, this, these print books, these are no content or low content books. And, um, just as a quick note, in the last two or three weeks, there's been some news coming out that there is a pushback against no content coming out. I'm going to mention what that is, but I recommend everyone move towards the low content. Okay. Not uh, okay, but no content is just a simple line journal, a graph, you know, or a, a graph paper book, um, something maybe even um, like a guitar tablatures book or knitting paper notebook. So that's just where. You know, I'm the designer for, for Kindle Direct Publishing. My responsibilities are to upload the PDF files that will be the interior. So just think of like, let's say I'm doing a 40-page book. I need to have 40 pages of content, but that might be lined pages in this scenario. And then I'm also responsible for uploading a second PDF, which is um, the cover and that one file is, if you think about it, like a, a wraparound um, PDF is the front uh, from left to right. It's the, the back, the spine and the front cover is just on one PDF. OK, and. So that's a no content book where I just do a pretty cover design or I can just do like a black cover and write the title. You know, some people want minimalist covers. Okay, so that's a no content book. That's what I, as the seller, am responsible for creating. Now, a low content book is a little bit more. Um, and it's, for example, things that I've created this year. I created a number of 2020 planners, um, a mileage log book, a food log, um, a blank recipe book. So those are examples of low content books. You know, I'm not writing heavily. I'm doing things like titles or, you know, a prompt for somebody to fill in a certain grid, those sorts of things, but not heavy content, not a lot of creative writing because some of us just aren't good at that. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, other things about these types of books that I like is, um, you know, my books, they can be repetitive based on a template formulaic, all these things you do not want in, you know, a good fiction or nonfiction book, because you think about it, if you buy a log book, you want every page or every other page to be the same. So my 40 pages, I don't need to come up with 40 unique pages. I need to come up with a one or two page layout that's unique and then repeat that because that's what the person wants to use. You know, they want to record their mileage or their food or whatever. Um, other, so other ways. So for example, you know, I swap out lined elements, graphics, fonts. Um, I create coloring books, uh, workbooks, kids prompt books. Um, so those, those are examples of what a low content book is and sort of how I use my templates to not take a ton of time to do them. No, that makes sense. I mean, like, so thinking about it in my niche, something like a gardener's <laughs> logbook would, yes. be, would be a great niche because, 
And that you could even get a little bit creative with and have, like, you know, uh, a different saying every week or something that somehow relates to gardening or, or what have you. Or uh, almost meant some, some almanac-like things drug into it. And then you can turn that into something else with very slight modification, uh, like a fisherman's guidebook. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yes. Um, that's something that I really like is just being able to reuse the structure of a template. You know, you still have to add value to it by understanding your niche. Um, and, you know, that's why I always and I, I always recommend to people that are starting this and, and most of the YouTubers that are good at this, they'll say the same thing. Start with something, you know, sure. start with a problem you have. And actually, before we got on the call, I went into Amazon and I was looking at um, permaculture gardening books, just trying to do some research. Mm-hmm. And I'll share later when we when we um, get towards the end of the call and I've explained some more of the process. But um, there are some good examples in there of of what you can do. So let, let's I may hold you on the low content book type thing, mm-hmm. because. We've kind of merged a bunch of an acronyms here. One is KDP, which is Kindle Direct Publishing. And as far as I understand that, if you do that, your book is a Kindle book. And when we talk about things like a log book, I'm thinking we're talking about a physical book. Am I, am I correct? Oh, yes. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So so when you create your book, you're doing um, – you're primarily wanting to sell it as an ebook. Is that correct? Uh, no. I actually really want to sell hard copy, and I think we're in a little oh, bit okay. different of a world here. I do think I will make it available, Kindle, because y- you would be kind of crazy not to. Um, well, no, exactly. I'll, the only point I was going to make is your um, – it's two different um, files that you would need yep. to submit. I actually don't even touch the ebooks. Okay. Everything I'm talking about is print-on-demand, hard copy, paperback. Or okay. that – sorry, paperback, not hard copy. I just mean physical copy. It's physical copy. So before we go forward from there, then the other thing I want to understand fully is if I want to do low-content books – uh, like a gardener's journal or something like that. Mm-hmm. Do I have to go through that same application process for graphic design stuff, or is it a different thing altogether? Um, so kdp.amazon.com is the place you go. It does not require an application, okay. but you just have to, you know, sign up your, put in your bank account for receiving royalties, put in, you know, your, Social security number, different thing, different but, but things. Just, so I'm, I'm getting a little bit not sure here. So okay. you're saying that the low, the low content type books go through KDP? Yes. Okay. All right. That's what I thought you were saying. I just want to be absolutely sure of that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like I said. That's not I, your I really fault. You said it. Out. You said it perfectly. I understood it perfectly. I just wasn't. It didn't make sense that it would be that you would publish a physical book through a Kindle direct <laughs> platform. But if it is, so be it. That, that's great. That's why you're here because it's counterintuitive. <laughs> well, so they have, they did buy another um, older company. I'm not going to go into all the names or whatever, but um, they merged some other uh, print companies. It was create. Space. Anyways. <laughs> Yes. It was yes. Space. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you remember it. Yeah. yeah. So that's what it was before. And, um, anyways, yes, history and, you know, history. Gotcha. <laughs> um, yeah. 
Let's see. So I guess the next thing I would probably want to mention is like to talk through how long it takes someone to do this. Yeah. Um, because that might seem just what I've said right now so far might seem overwhelming. Um, and I hope it isn't, I hope it isn't because I, like I said, there is a lot of different people that, um, can do this and that I've seen have success with this. Um, but as far as how long it takes, so the first one, the first book you do, um, it'll take a long time. Uh, that's depending on your existing skills. Uh, you know, it'll be more or less time, but if you have an idea, my recommendation is keep it simple. Like we were talking about something, you know, but then also keep your design idea really simple and use easy, simple resources. And I mean like lines, you know, to, to fill something in lines, shapes and text so that you don't have to worry about copy mark or trademark or any of those things. Try and just keep everything as simple as possible. And, you know, the actual creation time might just be a couple hours if you already know how to use something like PowerPoint or Google Slides. I would highly recommend those for first time people. And I still use those a ton because it's just so easy to use. Um, I think it would take about five to six hours for me the first time I would use it uh, or create a book. But in all honesty, it could take several weeks to a month of stopping and starting and getting questions answered. If you do need copyright or images, you know, watching a few YouTube videos before you publish. And I would just say that, you know, that's okay. You know, that's maybe realistic for most of us that are trying to do this in the, the gaps of our day, you know, an hour here or a half hour of watching YouTube while we're prepping dinner or whatever, because, you know, once you get going and you get your first book up, the next ones will just flow. I mean, you can get a book up in two hours or less, um, you know, one a week, one a day, depending on your time availability. And especially if you make something that's has like an evergreen or year round appeal, you know, like you were saying earlier, this is money that will just, you know, be coming into your account. Your royalty will be coming in, you know, every day, every few days, um, it'll be adding up. Um, and as I talk about income, I should say KDP pays out, um, 60 days after month end. So it's not something that's going to replace your income. If you lost a job today, Sure. you know, it's not going to replace your next paycheck, but, um, they do the you know, same thing with affiliate sales. They do it with everything because yes. they, that gives them the ability to float a couple billion dollars bearing interest while they're <laughs> waiting to pay it out. That's, it just makes sense for them. I, and that's one of those things like, am I excited about that? No, but I'm totally okay with it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. For all the reasons I, I, we talked about earlier, you know, they're making this market available to me and I am grateful for it. Um, and there's plenty of ways to diversify as you get more experience. You know, if you want to sell yourself, go for it. <laughs> um, but as far as KDP, KDP being an opportunity in, in the current environment we're at in, you know, if you're looking at, if someone's looking at a potential loss of income doing, due to a government shutdown or like a quarantine, you know, something they're looking out three, six, nine months, whatever, you know, this is a great platform to experiment on in advance 
of, of the, you know, any type of income loss or reduction, you know, and I also think, you know, something to keep in mind for if kids are home due to school closures, you know, and of course, homeschool kids, you know, those are just great audiences to play around. You know, my kids have helped my children are five, six and seven, and they've had some fun, like coloring on things, you know, and, and helping me make cover designs. It's just been really fun to do together. So, um, not all of my stuff, but a few of my kids stuff they have, they have helped me on and it's been really rewarding. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, what, what do people really need to know if they just want to buy or, or, or start selling low content books on KDP? Do they need like, you were mentioning some like just using PowerPoint, like, is there like software for this that's really better or, or what have you? I mean, what's the real, I guess, toolkit look like and knowledge kit look like? Yeah. So, um, I'll start with where I wish I had started, which is, um, graphic design basics. So my first recommendation is like, just watch YouTube, <laughs> um, or get a free month or two on Skillshare. Okay. Um, my, my only caveat for looking up, um, you know, KDP stuff or graphic design, well, graphic design stuff is, is not time sensitive as much, but KDP, like tutorials, I would just say look for stuff from late 2019 or 2020 because, yeah. you know, things change, you know, research and algorithms and all that stuff. So, um, I can share some of my, you know, favorite YouTube sort of authorities that aren't too like by my, by my, you know, training <laughs> type of people. I can share that with you if you want to um, put that, um, on there later. Okay. But, um, cause it's, there's just, you know, there's a, a huge mass of people that are saying they're experts sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, but I would start with graphic design basics. That's the first thing. Um, something to be aware of, um, is copyright and trademark. And I would just say, you know, I mentioned that um, just so people take a moment and think about what they're using and be thoughtful about it. You know, my, my way of thinking is if somebody else said it, or if I'm, if somebody else said it or created it, I'm not going to reuse it. it it's just, you know, like no Nike swooshes or, you know, um, a, a quote from a movie or lyrics from a song, you know, like, again, most people wouldn't do that. But just to be sure, you know, someone might not realize that that is not okay. And you could end up losing your account. Um, so obviously, you need access to the internet. And um, the software I was talking about, honestly, um, I would just tell everyone, First time, if you're not a graphic designer, just start with a slideshow program. And so if you have Microsoft Office, you can use PowerPoint. And in some of the Facebook groups, there's free PowerPoint templates you can get. So that's like a nice place to start. Um, but you can also use Google Slides, and that is free with a Google account. So, you know, that's free. <laughs> um, and then so that's for interiors and covers as well. Um, any questions about formatting, you just go to that KDP site when you register and there's a ton of links and explanations there. And the last thing would be patience. I mean, except that you're starting out from, you know, in kindergarten, you don't know how to read, right? 
Um, your first submission will get rejected, <laughs> you know, and it's probably like you have text in the margin size is wrong. You know, it's off by 0.2 centimeters or whatever, you know, like it happens to all of us and it is literally a rite of passage. Is, and is that rejection kind of like an automated, like robot checking you or do you, is there like a human actually reviewing your stuff? So, um, th there will be, um, you know, the first rejection is probably a, you know, upload and that immediate like red text, it doesn't fit. And then, okay. you, need to, you know, but yes, there is a human review reviewer in your final submission. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, their support is actually awesome. I've been so grateful for KDP support when I, when I try, you know, in good faith, I've tried multiple times to get a size right, or I can't figure out where, where the rejection is coming from. Um, and I contact them, you know, through my seller portal for, with KDP, it's just a really great support. So um, it, this, I think is a really great um, platform to work on as a first time e-commerce seller, like I said, because they really do support their authors. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So, so really not too much there. It is possible not to spend a ton of money to do this. Um, you know, as with anything, you know, if you're not going to spend the money, you're going to spend the time. So you're going to have to dig around the KDP site to find all the right formatting information. You know what I mean? Sure. Some people will sell you and there's good ones out there for way less than a hundred dollars. They'll say, Oh, well, you know, subscribe to this or buy this, you know, set of templates or this program and that'll save you some time, but then you will have a, you know, 50 to $60 investment, sure. you know, to, to some of us with a business, it's not a big deal, but I totally get it. If you're not sure about this, some people don't want to put in that, that money. So just know there's going to be a little more time. That seems like another opportunity around this too, then selling the picks and shovels to the miners, right? That's, that's what that oh, well, is. There are plenty of people doing that, but yeah. I just, since I don't want to recommend something online, you know, yeah, gotcha. on your platform. Yeah, I just want people to be knowledgeable and research. Yeah, yeah. Make sure that whoever you're buying from actually knows what they're doing. But I mean, the, the idea of having things kind of in a, a template style that, that that kind of gives you boundaries to work within uh, that that's pretty appealing. And, and sixty to a hundred bucks for that. Um, I, I can understand what you're saying, where some people would say, "Well, I, I don't want to do that," but I. I've always said I'm big on starting low cost businesses and I usually consider no cost business startups to be businesses that are designed to fail or they're designed to be educational so that one day you get enough confidence to invest some money because you are not going to really be successful unless you invest something. Like you said, it's money or time. And, and in exactly. the end, like if, if you value your time at 10 bucks an hour, 60 bucks is six hours. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a pretty low valuation, I think, uh, for a lot of people. So uh, I, I think if you find the right platform, it's probably worth uh, using. If you know, I think the other thing is, though, do you know what you want to do? Like, I think it's probably easier to find that thing to help you do what you want to do if you know what you want to do, if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and, and that's actually one of the huge things. I mean, I, th I, I was listening to one of your programs from a few days ago, and you talk about, and you've said this many times, how many ideas you have in a day, and you can't even, you know, you can never start that next one, right? There's just too many ideas. And one of the problems with, I mean, the the world is so big and there's so many ideas once you start brainstorming, you know, and it'll, you'll, you'll go outside of your niche and then you'll have to really rein yourself back in to be like, no, I don't have time for all of these ideas. 
right? Absolutely. And, 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 um, that's one of the hard things is there's all these, you know, you know, people that, uh, you know, come up with these ideas. Here's so many ideas, buy these templates, buy these things, da, 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 you know, and, and I just, I don't want someone to get pulled down that when they're not making too much income, you know, yet. Um, but I'm happy to share, you know, the one that, I know of that's like 60 bucks, not a subscription, which is yeah. nice and scary when you first start. I, I can share that with you offline. I just, like I said, I didn't want to share things on the, on the speaking. It doesn't, that doesn't bother me at all. I mean, yeah. it's the reason we have people like you on because you've been through this crap and I'd rather you recommend something you think is valid than somebody picks something that isn't. Uh, but what we'll do is I'll just get you to send me a link or whatever um, once we wrap up the interview, and I'll make sure it's in the show notes for people. Great. Um, so the person that's listening to all this go, man, how do I figure out where to start? Like you kind of started with, you know, start with what you know, but like <laughs> what might you advise a person to like research, find that niche down or, or what have you to figure out what, you know, what they should be getting into? Because there's, there's two schools of thought here. And one is like people say, well, I was going to do this, but there's a hundred products like that. Mm-hmm. That means there's a market. Uh, the other side of it is there's nothing like that. That could be a great opportunity if any. If there's a reason. Like at this point, you'd kind of think that if a niche has anything going, there'd be something. And what you want to do is find what's being done and do it better. So what are your thoughts on like kind of research, <laughs> uh, picking a niche, figuring out what to do, what type of thing to do? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, like we already said, and you just said, start with something, you know, always, especially first book. Um, and then with some, within that area of something, you know, can you think of a problem that needs to be solved? And quite honestly, what I tell people to then think is within this area, is there something you need and would buy yourself or can gift to someone, you know, like your spouse or your kid or whoever that has that problem, you know, and we, um, one way to research that, you know, is like you said, to see, okay, well, what's, what's happening already on Amazon. I recommend opening up an Amazon, just amazon.com on an incognito browser. And then just going to the, um, the search bar, and you start typing in something. And I, like I mentioned earlier, um, well, so sorry, make a list of the keywords that you would use as a shopper for that product. So I was like, okay, how about a permaculture gardening notebook? That's what I thought. I was like, mm-hmm. per, at first I thought permaculture gardening book. And so I started typing that in. And what happens is as you, um, permaculture, sorry, I got to spell it. Okay. Um, as, as you start typing it in, Amazon starts in a desktop browser. It, it gives you a pull down menu yep. of autofill, an autofill pull down menu because it's trying, you know, remember it sees you as a shopper. It's trying to help you find your right product faster. So it's, it's auto populating or auto filling in some of the most common things that follow the word or the, group of letters that you're putting in. So when I type in the word permaculture, it's showing me gardening, you know, permaculture, gardening books, permaculture design, permaculture books. So um, if I select permaculture gardening books, I'll see 520 results. Um, so that's actually not that bad. But again, these are books. These are full yeah. books. Um, but I'm like, okay, well, how about notebooks? Um, so I have the word permaculture gardening in, and then I just, you know, and a space, and I type the, an N 
and nothing auto populates or auto fills for notebook. Okay. Well, I saw 500 books that had some pretty good ranks on them, you know, um, something with seven, 178 reviews, 76 reviews. The, um, I bought this Gaia's garden from many years ago, 627 reviews. Um, you know, so these are books that are selling, have lots of reviews. So I would say, okay, what happens when I search permaculture gardening notebook? And what I see are a lot of, I see some notebooks that are coming up. I do, um, but they're all blank lined notebooks, you know, just like lined or graph paper. Um, they're not really customized. So for me, I might think, okay, well, I'll flip through one of my permaculture books that I own and see what would I, cause I'm not actively doing it. I've intended to multiple times, but like, what would I need to do to get started? Or what would I want to log that is relevant for this type of gardener or a, what is it? Square foot gardener or, yeah. you know, a lasagna garden, gar- you know what I mean? No, so I know really, exactly what you mean. So that's the kind of thing that you know, I would do, and that's how I would use this free resource, just Amazon's own search bar to sort of narrow in on the number of results. Um, Cause yeah. So that that's, those are the steps is, you know, something, you know, something maybe you or someone, you know, needs um, to solve a problem and then create some keywords you would use as a shopper and use that Amazon autofill to see um, sometimes that exact solution hasn't been provided to the, the buyers yet, but you'll see that there's some activity for the niche or that audience. Um, because you're right. If that audience isn't buying, you know, or if there's nothing selling in that niche at all, then you would you want to question why not. But yeah, it's either you, not been done or it doesn't sell. It's one or the other, and you're you're gambling on that it's not been done. But it right. does it does like it, see it opens up a lot more uniqueness. And I, the mm-hmm. one thing it makes me realize is how many times I've been given something like this because people love to give gifts like this. Like you know somebody mm-hmm. and you know they fish. You don't know crap about fishing. You don't know mm-hmm. anything. You just know Bill likes to fish. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, like re- reflections on a fishing journal or something like that, and you know, one page will say, like your 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 your, your left hand page will have some concept or thought or whatever, and the other page is open to journal with whether it's weekly or whenever you feel like or what have you. And then you could create a low content book by writing fifty pages, and each page is really two sentences. Mm-hmm. Trust me, as someone that wrote a sixty five thousand word book, that's <laughs> easier. I don't know that it's easy, but I know it's easier. I might not be a great writer, but I know how to use the modifier to a word ER. (laughs) And that is easier to do without any doubt whatsoever. And it opens up a lot of niches. And I kind of been plunking along, putting some ideas in, just like you're talking about while you're talking, and seeing there's an awful lot of what you said. You know, the blah, blah, blah journal, and it's just a lined, there's no, there's no content. Uh, the content mm-hmm. is graph paper or it's a journal, you know, but it doesn't have any, any thing. In fact, I got one in my head now. I don't even say because like, because <laughs> somebody's going to do all this other crap we're talking about now. Um, and I just think it's like, it's almost unlimited and that is great. But if we bring a permaculture principle in, the more restrictions upon a design, the better the design if the designer is good, right? So, mm-hmm. With that in mind, like, it really behooves you, if you're listening to this right now and your head's like, 
Like, and you're just like, wow, I can do this and that. Pick something and then do it better than anybody else. Because, like, my method of selling real estate, we call it the 1% effect. We actually made a book on it. It's available on Amazon, Kindle, right? <laughs> um, and But what the concept is, you make your house just 1% better than everything else in your price range. You don't make it 20% better because what that actually does is push you up to the next price range and put you at the bottom, right? Mm. So you make it 1% better. In this, it's like it's unlimited how much better you want to make it, but your time's important. But if you can make something that the person that's looking for goes, wow, that's, that's better, and it costs about the same, then you got something. Then you can kind of dominate that niche. Now, then you're down to, well, what's the size of that niche? Is it something that sells, like, you know, 1,000 units a month, or is it something that sells 10? And I'm talking about the whole niche. And you could dominate a niche that sells 10 and sells 6, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can dominate something that's fairly substantial, and then you can roll out a portfolio like you're talking about over time, you start to build that evergreen income. It's very, very cool. I didn't, I didn't, I, I'm bad about reviewing these uh, applications. I trust my wife mm -hmm. to do it. So I didn't know exactly the direction we were going today. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm really excited about it because it, it opens up things a lot more than just people who are authors, which I think is really cool. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I said before, I mean, the danger is there's, it's you almost like you're paralyzed because there's so many ideas sometimes, you know, there's so many ideas and you really need to, um, just pick something and take that step. And like I said, the first one can take a little while and, um, a ton of people have signed up for these accounts, the KDP account, I think, but they just don't follow through because they have difficulty with the first one. But just remember, you know, after that first book, they all get easier, you know, and especially if you, you know, can narrow in on something and just m tweak you know, tweak your, uh, interior slightly, you know, come up with a good formula for your covers, you know, um, make it as simple as possible for yourself and really focus on that problem solving angle. You know, whose problem are you solving? You know, make sure you don't use a font, a children's font for, you know, a sort of masculine niche, you know, little things like that. Yeah. Like just think about who your audience is. Yeah, if you standard... make your mechanics book in pink, it's probably not going to do well. <laughs> Well, it might. There's a, a there's a women's niche. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um. You know, there's an argument. Like for me, I actually find myself really going after sub niches. You know, um, trying to pick out those very small holidays because the I mean St. Patrick's Day, it's not, almost not even worth it. You know, there's just so many people throwing everything at it, a ton of advertising dollars at it. I really don't do much with things like St. Patrick's Day because I'm not a, you know, amazing designer. Um, I really just try and stay focused on, on my core niches or in under some of my pen names where I do experiment more. Like I said, I try and really make the market smaller. And then, um, cause you, you were suggesting to, um, oh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Mm. Sorry, parent brain. I can't even blame it on a kid being in the house. Um, I was talking about niching anyways. down or making things a little bit better. Uh, no, it's gone. All right, it's that's gone. All right. Let it go. It'll right. come back. Let's move on from there, and it'll probably pop back in your head as soon as you let go yeah. of it. So let's talk about people that don't have the skills. If they want to yep. find partners or virtual assistants to hire, stuff like that, or the people that will just basically say, this is what I want, 
make it for me and then go away or make it for me and then help me? Like, do those things exist? I would imagine with something this big, they do. Um, they do. And it just depends, you know, if, if someone's approaching this as a um, someone who wants to start their own business and has never done anything before, you know, um, or if someone's a business person and looking to have something created for them, you know, there's two different angles. But what I would always say is um, if you're someone wanting your own business and to do this yourself, you have to at least do the basics, test it out, go through the process a few times before you pay someone else to do it. Um, you know, use, use a pen name to test things out. Just, you know, side note, double check that your pen name isn't already in use or not a celebrity in Europe, minor like D list celebrity in Europe. You know, there have been people that, that realize that later and then, you get dinged because KDP is an international platform. Ah. Um, it can just cause problems um, and, and annoyances later on. But but definitely, like I, I say, everyone, unless you're a business and you want to hire someone or partner with like a publisher, you know, go through and do this yourself a few times. You can hire people for design from places like Upwork. Um, there's places to hire um VA Philip uh, VAs from the Philippines. Um, I've had success with that. Um, if you know, you can go to uh, creativefabrica.com to buy um, digital assets. I recommend them. Like if you need like images you want to use and you don't want to have to worry about copyright or things like that, that's a great site because they actually have a print on demand license. Okay. Um, what which, site was you know, that again? Creative Fabrica. Okay. I, I, I can send it to you. Okay, no, after. that's good. Um, um, but, yeah, like I said, they have a print-on-demand um, license, which is nice because it licenses just get really annoying, and you can get sucked into, like, dealing with or reading that and making sure you're compliant. But this one has a specific license. You can just check. I want it for print-on-demand or pod use and then see what's available, you know, for you. Um the other thing I would say as far as if you don't have all the skills like marketing, that's one I would skip as far as the paid advertising. Um, but here's the, here's the thing I wanted to say is um, when you really focus on a niche, you know, um, that is, um, and let's say you're an active member in a, a relevant topic, Facebook group, sure. you know, go through there and see what threads are catching fire um, yeah. contact the moderator or admin and see if they would like to partner or if you can, you know, if you've already created a book, say, Hey, would you like to promote this? You know, you can pay them a, you know, a small commission or, you know, uh, tell them to share with their Amazon affiliate link. You yeah, know, here's an idea, right? So mm -hmm. this is how you get a bunch of people to buy your book right out of the gate. Um, mm -hmm. if you were going to do something with like a saying, like for each, reflection or whatever mm -hmm. and as long as you, it's your group or you you know the moderator with the group is, is chill with this and it's a big active group describe what you're going to do and ask for people to contribute ideas with an understanding that if they give a phrase or a thought or whatever that you get to use it i'll bet you nine out of ten people that provide content will buy a copy of the book because they're in it that's awesome that, that's like that's an old school like this is how you this is how they used to sucker authors especially poetry authors, into buying the books so that the book would sell in the 70s and 80s. They would do this journal of poetry through contests and writing books, and then you would submit a poem, and, like, you could literally submit the worst poem on planet Earth, and they would write you a letter back that was actually just the same letter everybody else got with your name on it. 
that would tell you how, how, what a genius you were and how much they're looking forward to, you know, you being in this book. And then they would sell that book only to people who wrote, but they would know that if we include like, you know, a thousand authors in this book, we're going to sell a thousand copies of it and they're going to buy like, you know, embossed copies and all this other crap. Like that was a, a, it wasn't really a scam because they did exactly what they said they were going to do. They never actually lied about distribution of the book or whatever, but you know what was in people's heads when they marketed that. So this is a much more benign version because it's a real thing that's going to go out into a real marketplace. But that, I mean, I will be honest when devious things enter my mind where they come from, and that's where that comes from. The, the, the whole, I got into a time, it was in the 90s, before the internet really took off. I studied deeply the science of the 1970s back of the book marketing formula. And then I, I've taken that and used it for good instead of evil, I guess, is the way to put it. And, and there's a, a pretty big opportunity with that type of thing. Some of the, the biggest books, for instance, in like prepper fiction were written that way. James Rawls probably was the first one to do it with Patriots to Come and Collapse. That book was written, honest to God, on a Yahoo newsroom list. <laughs> Right, like every all everything is. He took it, he made it his own, he turned it into a story. But like a lot of the technical data, a lot of the ideas, a lot of the concepts, location, like it was groupthink, and he was the one that did the work to turn it into a book. And that, when he put it out as a self-published book, well, all those people bought it. Well, that got it on the board, so to say, of being a book that actually sells, and then it reaches a broader market. And like, so you can take that same formula here on a smaller, faster, quicker to market scale. And do something really unique, but it's not really only for that purpose. It's like a side effect because you've now gotten real world feedback to these are the kind of things I would want. And then you mm -hmm. can build that. And a lot of people, like you can tell them exactly how this works. I think it's a great idea. They're going to talk about it. They're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a guy come here, totally different thing. It was on my, a, a microgreens class. He did three days on microgreens, a couple hours a day through one of my on-hand workshops. And about half the people came to me and said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And, and his name's John. And like one of the times somebody walked up and said that and walked away. And as soon as he walked away, he looks at me and goes, no, he's not. <laughs> right? And like, so that's like, I don't think you should be so guarded with your ideas really because you gain more than you'll ever lose. Like, so what? Somebody puts out another, you know, journal book on this subject. If that's what you're worried about, you're probably in the wrong place anyway, if that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so all of these, like, you were just coming up with a whole idea I hadn't even thought about of getting sort of crowdsourced content, not just even inspiration, but their actual words and maybe even um, names in there to get them excited about it. One thing that I've done is I've created books that um, serve a niche, and I'll give you an example, um, like a dog breed coloring book. And then I approach uh, rescue organizations, and I just say, hey, promote this book for three days. Any sales that we get, I'll give you a dollar per sale. You know, And it's good for me because it gives that book a little boost. Um, so that's an example of something you can do with nonprofits or any sort of group um, that, you know, runs uh, donation, you know, maybe school organizations. I just try and always make sure they have a good Facebook or social media following. Um, you know, sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's 30 bucks, you know, in my pocket, you know. So, you know, you just have to experiment and see what works for you. The other nice thing about finding partners that um, will promote with you is it gives your book a little boost. Uh, in the Amazon algorithm, it gets you some sales and that always helps 
you know, other people then find you if they're searching for something using those same keywords. Gotcha. Gotcha. So have you like kind of put your stuff all in one place, like where you got like a website or something like that where people can check out what you're doing or what have you? Yeah, so um, I do have a website, arianamarshall.com, and that's where I keep all of my equestrian stuff, which is under my name. Um, I use my name and self um, for all my horse-related stuff. Um, And if you don't mind me, I I would love to mention I'm looking for some partners in a a few different areas. Can I mention that? Sure, go ahead. Okay, so, um, so I'm particularly looking to build up um, some books in the the Western riding discipline. So I'm looking for any successful horse trainers that are doing roping, um, reining. Um, what are some of the other? I don't even know that area that well, but I've partnered with um, some very successful dressage and jumper riders to create my um, 2020 and 2019 journal series. And I'd love to do the same thing with people in the Western disciplines. And so if anyone's interested, they can go to my Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Marshall Ariana, or just go to my website and you'll find my Facebook page and then fill out the form under the contact us button. And, um, that's, you know, kind of what, what I'm focused on. If you go to my website, you'll see my equestrian stuff. And then all of my coloring books are on, um, under the pen name pink crayon coloring, which I have two girls. So I was doing all girl stuff. And, um, you know, that's an example I think I've heard you say before is, you know, I'm going to paraphrase you terribly, but it's just kind of like get started. Don't wait for the perfect idea. I couldn't come up with a pen name. So I just was looking around. I saw a pink crayon. And so it's pink crayon coloring. And I just made the dang books. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes have to just go. Well, I'm going to make yeah. sure that there are links to uh, all that stuff in the show notes for people today. And uh, this, is a, this is a fantastic interview. It's the kind of one of I like to do because I know someone out there is going to take it and do something. Even though I said like a lot of people, they ain't going to do it. There are always people that when you give them something meaningful and they have that quick thought burst in their head, I could do that that then actually go, well, hell, I'm going to do that. I think this is going to be one of those. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from from people tell us about what they've done with this. And and I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us today, Ariana. Oh, thank you so much. Can I give you a quick thank you for a couple things before we go? Sure. So I made a little list of my biggest thank yous for you because I've been listening since about 2014 and on on and off. And unfortunately, I think you've mentioned this when someone works on whatever their business is more, we don't get to listen as much. But but, um, things that I reasons I think of your podcast almost every day are the white kitchen towels, which I love. (laughs) like three years or four years going now. Um, the pans, I ended up buying the whole set of those, like the Italian ones, you yeah. know, the ones I'm talking about. Yeah. They're great. And the pots, um, Jerusalem artichokes knew nothing about <laughs> them. I will have to learn the ferment though, because everything else that comes with them, is yep. <laughs> yep. they're so good. Yeah. Um, introducing, me and your audience to uh, Jessica Mills and Homemade Wanderlust. We've been following her for like four years, and my little girls love her. God, she needs a hiking journal after this show. There you go. She does. You know? (laughs) Jessica, 
You got to get a journal. Jessica's journal. Oh, my God. It even has a name. <laughs> and, um, and then the last thing I would say is thank you for your old world stories of your Ukrainian immigrant family. Um, I just I think those are so beautiful. I can hear the affection in your voice when you've shared uh, about those stories of your grandparents. And um, I have family, you know, that did a lot of those same things in um, northern Europe. And it just it, it was just joyful to listen to those memories that felt like shared memories for me. So thank you for all sure. of those things. They're just they're really um, I'm really grateful for what you've done. Well, again, I appreciate you being with us today, and I hope you have an awesome day. Thanks. thanks you again. too. Thank you so much. Well, a great interview, and it certainly is going to help me out in, in the next you know next saga of getting the Laws of Life book out to you guys. Remember, if, um, if you're interested in helping me get the word out about that book, I'm going to be running a program called the Ambassador Program. Uh, the minimal level of participation is going to be buying 10 books, and nine of them uh, need to ship to friends and family directly. And it all needs to be bought on the day that the book will launch, which we don't know what that is yet. I think it's kind of an innovative way to work the Amazon system uh, to have a huge number of books sold on the first day and have them all count. Because if you buy 10 and hand them out, well problem with that is if they all ship to the same address, they count as one sale. But they ship to different addresses, and with Amazon no-cost shipping, you see how that's going to work? So we're going to have this ambassador program. You'll be listed in the book as an ambassador. There's going to be more coming on this. But the list is growing of people that want to be part of it, and I believe I'm going to set the levels at 10, 20, and 30 books for three levels of ambassador uh, to be listed in the book. And you can participate at any level, but I will cap it eventually. If you want to be in that, send me an email. Uh, with uh, TSPC Ambassador in the subject line. I'll put you in the folder, and the people in that folder will get first shot at it uh, before it goes out, let's say, to the general public. But all you got to do is ask, and you're on the list. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and wrap things up. Remember, if you want to support this show, one of the ways I, I build income from my show and the work that we do here to help you all is by selling products through the Amazon Affiliate Program. And uh, I have items for you every day that you can check out. Today is the Star West Botanicals Organic Lemongrass. Uh, and I want to say, before I even explain what's great about this product, is if you go through like my tea uh, and tea and herb section on tea spas, and if you go through my uh, spices and seasonings uh, thing, you'll find three companies that dominate that. And, and there's you know very rare exceptions when they don't make something you'll see something else recommended, and they are Star West Botan Botanicals, Frontier Co-op, and Davidson Teas. If you need a you know, half pound pound of anything, coriander or thyme, because you know it makes sense to buy your herbs in bulk and put them up in small jars and stuff like that, it saves tons of money over time. If they, if one of these three companies has it and you buy it, you are going to be happy. And if something's wrong, they are going to fix it. Fix it. So I want to say those again. Star Wars Botanicals, Frontier Co-op, Davidson Teas. Now, the lemongrass, in this case, is from uh, Star West because they have the best deal on an organic product out of the three. And the way that I really... I've always used this in my tea blends, but the way I fell in love with it and created the, the Jack's Lemongrass 321 tea, 321T, right, uh, was I, I, I love my, my morning blend as well. And I piked, and I, I, I let some of the stuff that I used to make that tea run out. And using what I had left in, in quantity, I came up with this 3-2-1 tea one day, which is three parts lemongrass, two parts green tea, one part chamomile. 
And it's one of those happy accidents, like almost as happy as, you know, when the guy fell into the dude's peanut butter with his chocolate and we got Reese's. Like, it's, it's not quite as good as Reese's, but it's still a lot better for you. And it's a fantastic tea, and don't let the simplicity uh, keep you from trying it. Again, three parts lemongrass, two parts green tea, one part chamomile. And I always, when I give my parts and teas, I do it by volume, not weight. So this is a volume thing. This lets, the way I describe this is the lemongrass becomes the star of the show. It's, it's first chair violin in a symphony, right? Oh, wait, Jack knows about symphonies? A little bit. I, I go once a year with my wife because she likes them. Uh, and then the, the green tea is, is like second chair, right, uh, at two parts. And the chamomile is like, you know, kind of harmonies in the background, and it gives that, that buttery uh, softness to the tea. And it was one of those ones, I wonder how this will work. And the first time I made it, I did not make a bunch of it. I, I just literally took three tablespoons of lemongrass, two tablespoons of green tea, and one, one, one tablespoon of chamomile, threw them in a small jar, shook it up, and tried it, and went, well, that's good. So I think you should give it a try, too. But remember, you can always support us by doing your online shopping at T-Spaz. And Star Wars Botanicals Frontier Co-op Davidson Teas, when you're buying teas, spices, seasonings in bulk, you cannot, cannot repeat, cannot go wrong with those. I always try to bring you the highest value uh, to cost ratio. So we want the lowest cost for the highest value. We don't want cheapest. Cheap sucks. I can find you cheaper. You don't want it. Right? And I can find you a little tiny bit maybe better, but you don't want to pay for it. What you want is that balance where you get about as good as you can expect and the consistency of it, and a company that will fix it if they screw it up for the best price available. It's the Costco model over the Sam's Club model. Sam's is cheap. Costco is the best you can get for the price, and that's what I try to bring. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up with our song of the day today. Song of the day today is by Joe D. Messina, and, um, you know, I'm really glad, like, the last two days, with all of this ramp-up and hype and hysteria around coronavirus, which, as I said yesterday, is a, uh, it's a concern. It's not a nothing, but it's not something to, 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 like, just stop living your life over and freaking out and thinking that, Worrying about it is helping. I see that's one of my problems with this. I think people that sit around, they think if you don't sit around worried about it and drumming up hysteria about it and screaming about it and doing stupid things like there's a, a Costco in Washington, kind of ground zero, where they shut a lot of things down around that nursing home that got infected. So people go to the Costco and they got to sign up around all this shit. So what do these people do? They take a picture of it and post it on social media. You're a moron if you're doing that. Because all you're doing is feeding hysteria, and then people are going to start going, to, what you should do is shut your mouth, go somewhere else and get what you need. But instead, you're a dumbass, and you feed hysteria. Because I'm telling you, there's, there's three camps in this. There is what I hope to, and I believe to be the biggest camp. It's a concern. It's something to pay attention to. It's probably not as bad as the TV says, and it's probably not as, as, as not a big deal as some other people say. And we need to make sure that we do what we always do, which is stay prepared and vigilant and pay attention, but mostly go on with our lives. Because sitting around stressing about it won't help us. I hope that's the biggest group. Then there's a group that want to be afraid. They're terrified. And they like to be afraid. There are people that are that basically are creating their own real-world horror movie to watch. And they, they sell fear and gear, like I said before, but a lot of them aren't even selling fear and gear. They're buying fear and gear. And they just want you to be part of it. And then there's the people that are like, it doesn't matter, nothing's going to happen, nothing's going to happen at all, I don't have nothing to worry about. And they ain't doing it because they're in some kind of shock like grandma sitting in an easy chair while fire's going on in the house. They're doing it because they really believe that, that there's just nothing at all, it's all bullshit, it's all fake. 
I hope that the two camps there are the minority and, and the sane rational ones the majority. But what happens is a lot of people, even in that majority, start to overreact. People are going out and buying 20 gallons of bleach at a time. What are you going to do with it? If you don't know what you're going to do with something, you know, don't buy all of it anyway, you know? Anyway, with that, I'm glad that we've had kind of these happy-go-lucky songs the last couple days. Today's song is that way as well from Joe, Joe D. Messina, and it's called The Way It Is. I'm going to be honest. If I was picking the music, I'd not have picked this song. It's a little too bubblegum pop for me. But it's kind of cool how it worked out, hitting right in the middle of all this hysteria. Hey, shit happens. And I do like the song's message, beyond what I've been talking about. What this song is about is when you have that goal in sight, you're sure you've got it all worked out, you finally got past everything, and life comes along and smacks you down. And you got to start over. But you just keep going. Hey, we talked about publishing today. Friends, neighbors, you want to go in that business, you better be ready to get knocked down. As Ariana told us today, she had some failures. Without those failures, enduring them and coming back, she would have never had success. That's the message of this song, and that's the message of dealing with life situations, whether it's who's the next president or what the next freaking disease is that we have to deal with or whatever. In the end, in the end, you got to roll with the punches. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.